him up this morning as we enter into his time of worship.
same God that's never late. He's working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy.
Aren't you glad today that we have a God who loves us with a love that will never give up on us? And the reason that his love will never give up on us is because 
He never gives up on us. And no matter what season of life we may be going through, no matter how many times we may run from Him, He never gives up on us. And I don't know, but there may be somebody here today that just needs to know this. God loves you. And He loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son into this world to live for you and to die for you. And the cross is all the confidence we need, knowing how much God loves us. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. God, we do thank you for that wonderful love that you have for us. God, a love that at times we may not understand, we may not be able to fully comprehend. But God, it's a love that we trust. A love that says, I love you so much that even when you're far from me, I'm going to give you my son. And my son is going to come to this world. He's going to live for you, but he's going to take your place on the cross and he's going to die for your sins so that our relationship can be restored. God, I know that all of us here today are, are going through different seasons of life. Some, some it is a very joyous time in their life. For some, it may be a hurtful, a painful time in their life. But God, wherever we find ourselves today, God, I pray that we would just know your love in a powerful way as you meet with us right here, right now. God, I pray that as we go through this service, as we study your word in just a moment, that you just remove all distractions from our life. And God, we would see you today. God, we would recognize you for who you are, and we would just be reminded of that wonderful love that you have for us, that love that never fails. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you that you are here with us. And thank you that you have open arms ready to receive us every day. We love you because you first loved us. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. This is Mackenzie Reagan. Uh, I can, Michael and Trina Reagan. And been coming to this church for quite a while. Watched her grow up. Just a sweet young lady. Met with Pastor David and talked uh, baptism. And she has placed her faith in Christ. And she wants to publicly profess that faith in Christ today. And so we celebrate this decision with her. And uh, excited for you today. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And I'm going to have Dad baptize you today. All right? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? All right. And do you want to follow him as a disciple? Okay. Because of your public profession of faith in him and obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk with him in a new life. All right, as David said, Matthew chapter 2. And let me just throw this out there before we start. Christmas season, it's crazy. Everybody's preoccupied. There's a lot of people carrying heavy burdens, a lot of plans and schedules. And so I know how we are. I know how I am. And if we're not careful, we can miss an opportunity uh, maybe to hear from God. And so I, I want to challenge you this morning as we open the word that you would just kind of have a receptive heart, that you might be able to put on pause those things that may be distractions. I know some of them are heavy. And you're like, Shane, it's hard to get it out of my mind. I, I get that. And, uh, but I just want to challenge you. This is a special time. 
This is a great time for us to come together, to worship together, to pray together, to hear from God's word. And, and so I don't want us to miss what he might want to share with us today. Um, and so let us have receptive hearts as we dig into the word today. And I promise you that, uh, that those schedules will be there after church is out. Um, and most likely some of the burdens that we worry about are going to be there as well. Um, unless the Lord steps in and, and takes care of those, that would be great as well. Uh, but this is his time and he's worthy of our attention, our focus, and our hearts. Amen. So Matthew chapter 2, the message is entitled, A Worthy Response, <clears throat> and um, I want to talk for a few moments about that. I want to imagine for just a moment that all of us work for a factory. I mean, all of us are employed at a factory, and, and our factory is doing really well. In fact, it's doing so well that the boss comes in, and he says, I've got a special announcement for all of you employees. You've done a great job. The business is doing great. In fact, it's doing so great that we cannot keep up with all of our orders we have to fulfill before the end of the year. So I've got some news for each one of you. Um, as the boss, I'm requiring, um, we use the word mandate a lot lately, I'm mandating that all of you have to work the next three Saturdays to help us catch up and get all these orders fulfilled. But here's the side, side deal. If you work those three Saturdays, I'll pay you double on those three Saturdays. Well, <clears throat> depending on your perspective, if you're in need of money, um, you need a little extra income around the Christmas season, you're probably like pumped a little bit, right? You're thinking, this is going to help. I get a little extra income these next few Saturdays. It's just an answer to my prayer. It's awesome. But maybe you don't need the money, and maybe you had some plans on those Saturdays, and so you had your schedule already figured out, and, and you're like mad now, because now I've got to work three Saturdays, and I don't need the money, and I don't want to be here. In fact, I'm thinking about quitting my job. Here, here's the point. Perception, perception, I wrote it down, I just went blank. Perception determines response. Your perception, um, your perspective, what you're seeing will determine the response that you will have. And so in, in that case, if you need the money, uh, your response is going to be, hey, I've got a great attitude about it. If you don't, then your attitude is going to be different than that. I think the same thing is true in the Christmas season. The Christmas season is different for everyone, and there's some people that just can't wait for Christmas to get here. In fact, um, they, they're the first ones to get the boxes out of the attic or the storage and, and they put all the, the gifts out or all the, the, the decorations and the lights on the house and they get the music playing like the day after Thanksgiving. And some will do it before Thanksgiving. You're like, ah, ah, ah. You gotta wait, you gotta be thankful first and then you can play it, right? And so some people just get pumped and they get really excited about the Christmas season. I'll say this is the most wonderful time of the year, looking forward to family, looking forward to the gathering, the opening of the gifts and just sharing all things Christmas. But then there's other people that would say, Shane, that's probably the most stressful season of my life is in December and this time of the year is, you know, lost loved ones or maybe you had a bad experience as a kid. And, and so for you, Christmas season is just looked at differently. Your perspective is different. And you're saying, Shane, I don't look forward to getting with my family. Do you know my family? I don't look forward to getting to my family at all. Or maybe you're saying, <clears throat> I hate how people just get during this time of the year. Have you ever noticed that around Christmas time, people just get rude? Right? You're, you're going to shop and you're looking for something and you see something on the shelf that you want. There's only one of them. People can be like really mean um, if you're in the way and, and they're, they're wanting to get it. Or maybe you're just shoulder to shoulder and traffic, just crowded. Has anybody noticed that Amarillo is crazy right now? Maybe it's the traffic. 
My wife and I were in a car wreck Friday night, coming home from Amarillo on Sansi. Stay away from Sansi. You know, it's just crazy. People are in a hurry. Nobody's paying attention. Cars dodging in and out. And the next thing you know, bam, nobody's hurt. We're grateful for that. But for some people, this time of the year is just kind of stressful. Anybody else feeling my pain? And so perspective determines response. Not everybody looks at things the same, same way. And so here we are. Christmas is upon us. Um, and, and we're going to look in the scripture in Matthew chapter 2, and we'll see com- two completely different perspectives or responses to the first Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And so what I want to do is read 18 verses, um, and then we'll talk about two examples there, two different responses, and maybe some lessons that we can learn from each of them. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priest and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with these wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled the Lord, what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray, God, that in this moment, in this time, that you would just tune us in, our hearts in, Lord, to hear from you what you might want to share, uh, Lord, in this season as I consider everyone gathered and how we all have our different perspectives, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would just show us um, yourself in the text today and just encourage us in this um, season that is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. God, I pray that you would speak to us in our hearts, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 
So we see in the text two completely different responses to the birth of Christ. Think about this, and I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was born into a real world with real people and real situations going on. There was, a, there was politics already going, and you know, that's government that was already going, and then Jesus is in, entered into that, that season there. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about him being born in Bethlehem of Judea. <clears throat> and he mentions the first response, we're going to look at Herod, um, Herod's response to this good news that Jesus is born. So let's look again at what it says about Herod. Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Well, let me, let me give you a little background on Herod. Herod was king at the time Jesus was born, king of Judea, of Judah. Um, he was not a Jew. He was um, an Edomite, and so he was not the rightful heir of David's throne, so he really wasn't the rightful king, but he was the king because Rome had conquered that area in 70 AD, and they had given him that title, king of the Jews. Now, the religious leaders hated that. They didn't like hearing that um, Herod was the king of the Jews because they knew that he wasn't the rightful king, uh, an heir of King David. But he was the king, and he did some great things. He built some amazing things. He built uh, Herodian. He built uh, the, the, the Caesarea port, um, Masada, Herod's temple, some really, really neat things he did for the people. He had kind of selfish motives in that, but he did do some great things. And then he did have one small problem. He liked to kill people close to him. I mean, no big deal, right? I mean, he killed his second wife, he killed um, her kids, he killed her brother, um, he killed his son. In fact, it said that um, whenever he was going to die, he had set out orders to say, when I die, I want you to round up some of the nobles in the area and kill them to ensure that there will be tears shed on the day that I die. There won't be tears for Herod, but there will be tears that will be shed. This is the Herod that is the king when Jesus comes into the world. In fact, Augustus, I think it was an emperor, Augustus said it was better to be Herod's dog or pig than to be his son. He was a ruthless guy, right? So here's the news that Jesus, this king of the Jews, is born. Um, in verse 3 it says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. He was moved deeply. He was terrified of the news that this king of the Jews was born. And so um, I believe he was threatened. His, his throne felt threatened, and he made the assumption that Jesus was going to come in and, and rule right there in that context. But how many know it's a much bigger picture than that? Jesus is still king of kings and lord of lords. But Herod was threatened, and um, so he started plotting um, when he was threatened that he would lose his throne. And look at verse 7. It says, Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. How many know that's a lie? So he's working through deception. They're like, you're going to worship him? Hey, that's great. I want to worship him too, so go find him, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can also join you in worshiping this new king of the Jews. And so he responded with deception, and then when he finds out <clears throat> that he's been duped by the wise men, when he's been outwitted by them, it says he was furious, verse 16, that Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years of age and younger. And so we see an overreaction on his part. And all of this is him just trying to protect what he holds dear, his power, his prestige, right? He's, he, there's a threat to his throne and he's got to do everything he can to eliminate that threat. 
I want to pause for just a second and look at Luke because um, in Luke, it's talking about the birth of Jesus being foretold when the angel told Mary, this is what she said about Jesus. The Lord God will give him, Jesus, the throne of his ancestor David, right? Jesus is the rightful king. And verse 33 says, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And so he's got to be human to sit on a, a throne of the ancestor David and his deity, uh, that is, he's living forever to be the king that's going to reign forever and ever for all eternity. Uh, in the prophet, prophecy of Simeon, um, Simeon says to the mother, uh, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And so Jesus has come and he's revealing the deepest thoughts of the, the hearts of man. And we see um, that's exposed in Herod and Herod's response, his perspective of being threatened with his kingship causes him to want to annihilate Jesus. And so we see the very first Scrooge, if you will, you know, the Scrooge that wanted to, the Grinch that wanted to steal Christmas. This is the Grinch that wanted to kill Christmas. And that's Herod. And I think what we can learn from his life, it was all in vain. Uh, if you read on in verse 19, it says, when Herod died. Herod died. And history tells us it was a pretty gruesome death, an uncomfortable death. Um, and, and I got news for you. Jesus, for thousands of years and um, for thousands of people, millions of people, they still call him king. Amen? Jesus is still king. And Herod is a footnote in history. So um, what I learned from that is God's plans will succeed. John says that that light came into the world and the world can never extinguish that light. God has a plan and it's going to be impossible to thwart that plan. And so the lesson for us is to not follow the example of Herod because God's way is going to win. And here, here's why I think this is important. I think all of us sometimes can be like Herod. You know, we are the kings of our own little kingdoms. Um, I can prove this. If you have a child and that child ever back talks you and asks you the question, why? How many of you ever responded like this? Because I'm the boss. Or because I say so. I've actually said because I'm the king of this castle. Right? And you know what? Your mama's the queen and you don't mess with the queen. Right? Because I think all of us have that kind of mentality. It's like I got my, my life. I got my own little world. My own little kingdom, if you will. And I'm the king. I'm in charge. I call the shots. And all of a sudden, God just enters into our lives and he enters into our world and, and there's this challenge, there's this path that converges where, you know, who's in charge? And I think sometimes we can try to fight God's plan and the lesson that we need to learn, Herod tried that and it was a futile plan and we need to realize that the best response is just to submit to his lordship. It's like handing him the keys saying, hey, I'm a terrible king, Jesus, King Jesus, you're the rightful king on the throne of my heart. Amen? So the lesson is, Nothing can stop God, and we need to not follow the example of Herod. But the complete different response to the good news that Jesus was born was these three wise men. I say three because that's what tradition tells us. We don't know how many it was. It may have been more than that. We think it's three because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, but chances are there were more. They're called wise men. They're called magi. They were called kings. Have you sang the song, We Three Kings of Orient Art? You know that, that song? They were royal astrologers. They were used to looking at the signs and the stars, and they saw the star, and they determined that was the star of Jesus, and they followed that star to find uh, Jesus. And so 
They were connected to royalty. So let's look at what they did. It says that they sought Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the, the reign of King Herod. It says about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking. So first off, they came from a long distance, right? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come a long way to worship him. And so they sought out Jesus, which wouldn't have been an easy task, but they sought out Jesus, and they would find that he was in an unexpected place. If you're looking for a king, you're probably going to go to the palace in Jerusalem and say, where's the king? And that's where they went, but they found out that Jesus was not there. He was actually in Bethlehem. They found him in an unexpected place. They're also filled with joy. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, how many know that would be cool? If you, you know, we have the, the GPS guidance and all that stuff to get us to our destination. Back in the day to have a star that guided you to the location, there's the original on star, right? When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Why? Because that star was leading them to Jesus. And they were filled with joy. And then on it says in verse 11, it says, they entered the house. This is why last week I said um, these wise men were not there at the birth of Jesus because Jesus was born in a manger, and now they're in a house sometime later. And so it says, when they entered the house, they saw Jesus, his mother, or child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Now consider this, if they were kingly or royal in that, you know, some people believe they were kings themselves, that's a pretty significant thing to travel a long distance and to bow in worship of a newborn king of the Jews. So they were filled with joy, they worshipped him, and then it says they opened their treasure chests that they would have carried with them a long distance of valuable gifts, and they gave gifts of gold, which would have been fitting for a king, right? To give king... Uh, King Jesus, the gold, and then frankincense, which is associated with worship and recognizing the deity of Jesus and saying he's worthy of worship. And so they gave him the gift of frankincense. But wait, there's myrrh. Also, they gave him the gift of myrrh, which would have been associated with his death, his mission, what he was there for. He was coming to die on the cross for the sins of the world, and they would use those spices to prepare him for burial. And so they gave him these gifts. They worshipped him. Worshipped him. They were filled with joy. And I think that we can learn from them a few lessons um, as we celebrate um, Jesus' birth. And the first one is to keep seeking. Now, I think this is an important one because as we read, the, 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 the wise men, they came and they were looking for Jesus and they, they found him in an unlikely place. I mean, they expected to find him in Jerusalem, but they would find that he was not there. He was in Bethlehem. They had to keep seeking for Jesus. They had to keep looking for him. It was not an easy thing. I think the lesson or the takeaway from that is uh, for us in the busyness of Christmas. And how many know we can get busy and hectic in Christmas season? In the busyness of the Christmas season, we can experience Christmas and miss Jesus. I mean, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. We get so into Christmas, we can have the Christmas experience, but completely miss out on Jesus. We cannot find Jesus. It's easy to miss him. And so we can forget that although Jesus wants to be discovered, he's often found in the unexpected places. And so my challenge to each one of us is to keep seeking 
to keep seeking him like the, the, the wise man did. I mean, maybe we go through situations in life and we're like, I just don't feel his presence around me. I'm so distracted. I'm so discouraged. I'm going through a difficult season of life and I just don't feel like he's around. I would say, don't give up. Keep seeking. I love that. But these guys went a long distance to find Jesus. And I wonder sometimes if we're willing to do the same, to keep seeking Jesus. It's a great lesson for us to remember today, to keep seeking him. He wants to be found. And so we seek him. We seek him in worship. We seek him as we gather together for worship. We seek him in prayer. We seek him in worship and music. Like as we're listening, we, we open up our word or devotionals and we seek him. I would say that we need to keep seeking him. Amen? All right. So if we're willing to seek out Jesus, I think we might find him in serving others. Maybe in some quiet time, a devotional, coming to church. Here's, here's an idea. With expectation. Um, my prayer for the past couple of weeks is this. God, I don't want to go to church and just do what we always do, kind of like in routine, but I want it to be special. I, I want to be able to meet with you, God. That's what we're gathered here for. And so for each one of us to just come into God's house and say, I, I want to have a sense of urgency or I want to hear from him expectancy. I think we might find him in unlikely places. And so I believe that wise men and women still seek him, so keep seeking a second thing that we can learn is, and we need to understand, is Jesus is worthy. How many of you, just on the face, say, yes, Jesus is worthy? Jesus is worthy. Well, what's he worthy? Listen, what they did is they um, had great effort on their part. They were on a mission that consumed a significant amount of time, energy, and resources. Think of it. They came from a long ways away and traveled a long way with their, their animals and with their treasure, and they sought out Jesus, and when they didn't find him where they thought they would find him, they kept seeking him. Why? Because he was worthy. Jesus was worthy of the journey, right? I mean, they, to them, it was huge. I think about today, and when we can't get out of bed to go to church in the same town, these dudes went a long way because Jesus is worthy. Do you believe Jesus is worthy this morning? And so... Great effort on their part, energy, resources. They could have easily returned with the information after they learned that Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Let's just go back and tell them, oh yeah, he's in Bethlehem. But they continued on until they found the house. The star guided them. They were overjoyed and then they worshiped him. Why? Because Jesus is worthy. The, the gifts that they gave to him were valuable Gifts. It was no small thing, and, and so they, they gave him these sacrificial gifts because Jesus is worthy. I, I want us to remember this Christmas season that as we're seeking Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, it should lead us to worship. Worship of our time, of our hearts, of joy, right? Of, of serving with the gifts and talents that he's given us to say, why? Jesus, you are worthy. He's worthy this season. Amen. So we keep seeking. Remember, he is worthy. And this other part I think is interesting and important as well is listen and obey. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that listening is easier than obeying. But I love how it says here that they're intending on going back. It says um, that after, when it was time to leave, in verse 12, it says they returned to their own country by a different route, another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And so they simply, they didn't ask questions, but they listened and they obeyed the warning and they went a different route. And this was a huge deal. It was risky on their part because they had already met King Herod 
King Herod probably knew their names, and now they just defied an order from the king of the Jews to come back and report on where the Messiah was at. And so it was no small thing that they went about a different way. But listen, it's more important to obey God rather than man. And obedience is greater than sacrifice. They didn't question it. They just found the new way home. Um, They obeyed God. And, And here's a takeaway for us. I think God still wants to guide us. Do you believe that statement? He does. He wants to guide us. Now, he may not give us a dramatic dream like, you know, do this, do that, but he still is the shepherd of our souls. He wants to speak to us through his word, and, and we know that he says, my sheep know my voice, and we, we just, he, he wants to guide us, and so as he guides us, I think that maybe we need to consider this, is sometimes he leads us a different route, and sometimes in the Christmas season, we're just kind of doing the things that we've always done before. Can we consider the fact that maybe he's asking us to listen to his voice and to obey maybe a different route this year? And what does that look like? Well, you know, I've heard people say, we're doing Christmas different this year. You remember when they were talking about all the stuff being held up in the, in the coast, you know, on the water, and like, we may not have Christmas this year. And I heard a lot of people say, let's just not do presents. Let's just change it up. And I was like, that's a great idea. Or, or maybe for some, they say, you know what, we don't want to get so focused on just me, myself, and I, and, and you know, what's going on on our roof, but we want to serve other people. And so there will be people that will go to like soup kitchens or Face City Mission, and they will serve other people. Or they'll find a family in need and they'll say, let's, just, let's think outside and not focus on us, but let's serve and love on someone else. And maybe God's calling us to just step out and take a different route this year. And maybe he's calling us to just trust him in a big way. He says, Shane, I want you to do, sometimes he asks us to do things that are uncomfortable. You know, Jesus said later, bless those who curse you. Maybe God's saying, hey, I got somebody I want you to buy a gift for. No, not them, God. Yeah, them. Watch what happens. Maybe God's calling us to just step out of our, our norm, the routine to make Christmas special, maybe starting a new tradition in your family. I mean, you know, how many of you on Christmas Day say, hey, before we do anything around the Christmas tree and before we unwrap a present, let's open the Word and let's read the Christmas story. Uh, that's kind of a cool tradition too, isn't it? So here's the question as we look at their example and the two completely different responses to the good news that Jesus is here. I have to ask us the question, what is our response to Jesus' birth? We celebrate it every year. It's Christmas Day, and you think about that. It's the greatest rescue mission ever, that God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. Now, Jesus says he was in, in the, he was in heaven before the earth was created, so he's eternal. It says through him all things were created and all things are sustained, and so he holds it all together. And in heaven, it says that he didn't consider that something to be held on to, and so he gave up his divine privileges there in heaven, and he came to the earth on a rescue mission to save us from ourselves. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? You think about Christmas, and you think about, okay, he came to save us. That's what we're celebrating, the birth of the Messiah who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I kind of wonder about our perspective this morning. Is like, what is that going to invoke in us? And our response is like, are we filled with joy? Uh, maybe a couple of you this morning, I'm looking at your faces, right? I mean, we should be filled with joy, right? Because the greatest news that is ever given to mankind is there is a way to be made right with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know about you, but that puts a smile on my face. So to be filled with joy this Christmas season, to know that he is worthy this morning. He's worthy of my time. He's worthy of my, my efforts. He's worthy of my giving and just everything. He is so worthy this morning.
He's worthy of our obedience to say, you know, I know it's convenient to do one thing, but if he's asking me to take a step of faith and do something different this year, then I just want to listen and I want to obey. I want to follow his voice. So what is your response this morning? Are you worshiping the Lord, um, enjoying some quiet, I mean, in the midst of all the crazy, busy, and distractions? Are you taking some time just regularly to say, hey, let me, I need some quiet time this morning. I want to worship him because he's worthy of my worship. I'm going to spend a little time in his word. I want to maybe get out of devotion and just spend some time there first before all the crazy. And let me just tell you, some people say you just got to pick the day or the time of the day that works for you. I have learned that if we don't do it first thing, then we're not going to get many opportunities the rest of the day because the schedules will dictate the things that we do. It's like, what is your response to this good news that Jesus is here? Are you worshiping him in your life, your time with him, his word, and devotion? Here's something else that I think that we can do is be intentional as we pray um, for our children, for our grandchildren, um, especially in this time that they would respond to the birth of Christ, that they would trust in him um, for salvation and praising God for the new life that he's provided through the gospel. And I would also say that we pray that um, they're an example in a dark world, right? We live in a dark world. And so like, God, you're so worthy and you've given us this greatest gift ever imaginable, this great rescue mission. That's what we're celebrating when we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And the response to that is going to be determined by our perspective. And if we're just like, eh, then, you know, that's, that's the response we're going to give. But how many know he's worthy? He's worthy of our adoration, of our worship, of our praise, of our celebration. Let's, let's enjoy Christmas uh, this year. Let's remember the real reason for the season and not, not miss the opportunity um, to just soak that up and to celebrate the birth of Christ. Amen? And I want to do something different today. We did the first service, and I just felt led to do this this morning. So in the church, um, at least connected with the church, I know of three people right now that are in the hospital. Um, they're on a ventilator, and they're fighting for their lives in pretty serious shape. And one of them, his wife, was here in the first service, and um, um, so if you know uh, Bryce Harlow, he's in the hospital. My cousin Jimmy Witt's in the hospital. Um, and I know um, Ashley Leonard's dad up in Colorado. Cody Clark's in the hospital. And that's just the three that I know. And so what I want to ask is if we can do something special because this is a church family, right? And as a church family, when one part of the family is hurting, we should all kind of share in that, right? And, and support and love and encourage and pray for them. And so um, I, I want to ask a, a huge favor, and I promise um, it'll be worth it. So, Rachel, stand up, please. I don't, Rachel, I want you to stand um, for representing my cousin Jimmy. Would somebody stand for Ashley and her dad? Somebody that knows Ashley, Leonard, Jody, Jody. And then um, someone stand for Bryce, Harlow, and Jody. All right, you got there. Um, that's just the ones that I know of right now. So, so let me expand that a little bit. How many of you, I, mean, I don't know, you've got family member that's in the hospital right now or a good dear friend, somebody close to you that's in the hospital right now in serious condition. If you do, would you please stand up also? Anybody? Okay. How about in addition to that, sometimes you hear somebody says, hey, it's not COVID, but I just got the news of cancer or a loved one in my family got the news of cancer and maybe they're not in the hospital, but they're going home and there's all these questions about what's gonna happen and what, what is the treatment gonna look like? If you have those people in your family, would you please stand? Maybe it's not cancer. It's just any disease. Stand. And here's the, the point. The reason I, I want to do this is I want us as a church family to see that there's a lot of people during this season right now, especially, that are carrying some heavy burdens 
and the church family's hurting. When the church family's hurting, man, let us just encourage and pour out our heart and pray for them. Also, I think it's good for us that are hurting and that are focused on the loved ones that we know about to see that we're not in this alone, that there are other people also going through difficult situations in life. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to uh, make it uncomfortable with anybody, but you see who's standing, right? And just know that there's a family connected with them. And I probably missed some others that we could bring out, but I'm going to ask the rest of the church body to stand. And, and, and in form of dismissal, I want us to just spend a moment praying for um, our family members that are experiencing some hardships right now. Father, we come before you, and just in Jesus' name, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We're hurting, and Lord, we have people in our church families that are hurting. And Father, I know that you're sovereign, and I know that you're in control, and I know that there's nothing that is too difficult for you. And Father, our, our earnest prayer is that you would please meet each one of our family members at their point of need. Lord, that you would just show up and show off in a big way. We know you can. We know that you're the great physician, and that's our prayer. But Lord, also we recognize your sovereignty, and it's not our will, but it's your will that, that is done. And so, God, we just ask for your will to be done and, and for us to just trust you in the process and to never take our eyes off of you, knowing that you love us, knowing that you hear us, knowing that you see us, and that you're with us in the middle of these storms. God, would you please just bring a comfort um, from your Holy Spirit, bring a peace that passes all human understanding. And, Lord, would you please, on behalf of these families, just in their personal lives, in their medical situation, in their health right now, Lord, would you please, as the great physician, would you touch them? God, my hope would be that the doctors and nurses have to admit something supernatural took place because by all of our information and our expectations, this shouldn't have happened. But God, I know that's what you do. And so, Father, I ask that you would just show up on behalf of those families and that you would, um, Lord, give us the desires of our heart. We come to you in agreement. Lord, we trust you, and we know you're in charge. And, Father, we just earnestly ask that you'd please be with those families. Lord, right now they're just going through a very difficult season. Lord, in addition to those, Lord, there are people that are grieving this year. This is the first year without a loved one. They've lost this year. God, I pray that you would comfort Lord, you would surround them with your love. Help us as a church family to see opportunities and to embrace and love and, 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 and just uh, involve them in the things that we're doing this year to just realize that there's a lot of people that are hurting. And Father, as a church family, we love our family and we ask that you would just please help us to be sensitive to that. Lord, would you please, um, Lord, your will be done. We trust you and we humbly ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be dismissed this morning with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. You have a great week. Merry Christmas.